Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kevin. I guess he did say that, didn't he? Um, Chris and Mika are in Orlando, Florida. They went down for a kingdom financing with another couple, but they're also taking some time to rest too, which is awesome, and I hope they get it down there. And and Chris said he was going to golf. I don't know if that'll be a point of frustration or a point of rest, but (laughs) he said he hasn't done it for two years. So I told him he could always blame it on the club because they weren't his clubs. So, you know, you never know. First thing I want to do before I... I do have a song. I know you're all wondering if I do. God usually gives me a song to play before I preach, and I do have one. But first thing I want to talk about is we've been been talking, and 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 through a chat that we do with our reading, um, Robert's brought it up a couple times, and other people have, that right now we're we're moving. We're making things happen. And you know what that does to the enemy is he wants to attack. And he wants to grab us and get us. He's prowling. He wants to stop it. So I'm, I'm, we're thinking about this, and I was, I was putting on spray insulation the other day, the foam stuff, which is nasty. And I had my white jumpsuit on and all covered up and my goggles and my respirator, and I'm spraying it, and I get done, start pulling it off, and I go out to my truck, and I go, oh, my goodness, my forehead is covered with insulation. And I'm like... It's like I had a chemical peel for a couple days with the, (laughs) took everything off. And I'm like, what the heck? And God's saying, watch every part. Don't give the enemy any spot to attack. Make sure you are completely covered. Completely covered. That little thing that you think isn't a big thing and he can't come in, he can. So make sure you're covering yourself completely. For any attack. So then on the next day, I was putting in the fiberglass insulation. So I put on my, just my N95 mask and everything. And that was on Friday. I think that was on Friday. And it was yesterday. I just, I was feeling terrible. I couldn't figure it out. My mouth was burning. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the insulation. Maybe it's the, I'm thinking, no, he doesn't want me to speak today. And I'm thinking, I come against this right now. I don't know who needs to hear what I have to say, but somebody does. I had already told Micah, though, I said, be prepared. Can you turn that communion message into a sermon? And of course he said, yes, I can do that. So I don't know if I disappointed her when I couldn't, you know, told her I was going to preach today or not. But she was, I was ready. So let's do the song. See if I can bring that up quick. Hmm? Uh, no. Should be on there. Down below. And then, yeah. Yep. You might want to get the, there might be a commercial in there you want to take off. I'm not sure what the commercial will be. Oh, starting in the right spot even. This only happens every six months. 
This is only four minutes out of your life. You'll live. Now you're all going, why did he play that? 
Well, that, that song was wrote by Steven Tyler in 19... I think it was a couple of years before Aerosmith was even in the band. He wrote it on an old upright piano. He was probably about... I think he, the band started when he was 19 or 20, so it was probably when he was about 17 or 18. He was raised... Catholic, so he knew who God was. But this song he wrote about getting to where you want to go, to having a band that would be amazing. He, uh, when Aerosmith first started, they were thought of as a cover band or that they were just a copycat for the other bands that were out at that time. This song came out on their first album in 1973. And it didn't go really far, and they re-released it in 79. And now, if you look back at Aerosmith, it is their number one song that anybody remembers them by. And they didn't want to sing it. The other band members didn't want to sing it because it was more like a ballad than a rock song. But in the lyrics, if you listen to this, he's singing in the good time and singing the bad time. Sing the whole time. He's saying sometimes you have to lose to win. Failure isn't fatal. We need to keep going. We're not going to get it right every time in any way, shape, or form. It talks about, you know, the the wrinkles. I'm thinking what 17-year-old has wrinkles and lines that are showing up when he's looking in the mirror. He was already worrying about what his future was going to be like and where he was going to be. This was 50 years ago, and that song still gets played all the time. And the one about you're singing for the good times and the bad times because maybe the good Lord will take you away tomorrow, we don't have a clue when he's going to take us. So we need to step out now and do what he wants us to do before he takes. Oh, hey, going up with him is going to be amazing. Right? But if we're wanting to leave with him, we're not stepping into what he wants us to do. I think Mark said that while he was here. It's like, if you're looking at wanting to just do the, you know, the thing where he comes and takes everybody away, that'd be awesome, yeah. But what about doing what he wants you to do down here before he takes you up? Right? Um, there was anything else I had on, oh, the dreaming. That's your desire in your heart that I preached on the last time I was up here. He's put a dream and desires in your heart. Keep dreaming them till they do come true. The things that he wants you to do, he's put in there. And you need to keep dreaming about it. It may not come up the way you think it's gonna. But he started a good work in all of us and he's going to finish it. Right? So just keep going with it. So... Chris asked me to do, to preach about confidence right after Warren and, and Chris and I were in and did an inner healing, well, they did an inner healing session on me. And uh, we were talking about, and after we got done, he goes, I, I think you really need to, he goes, can you preach on February 11th? We're going to be out of town. He goes, I think you need to preach on confidence because I can see yours growing. And I said, I'd love to. 
And I can honestly say that five years ago, even 10 years ago, I could preach on confidence, but I wouldn't be preaching from a place of confidence. How many times do people come up in front of you and preach about stuff that they aren't living or doing themselves? They're just up there telling you what to do. I can tell you that I'm doing my best to preach from a place of confidence today. And it's because I'm learning who I am in him. Confidence, when you look at it, the synonyms for confidence are the ones that are like it, are trust, belief, faith, conviction, reliance, dependence. The opposites are distrust, skepticism, doubt, and uncertainty. Well, what if you looked at that and you went, confidence is trust in him, belief in him, faith in him, conviction in him, reliance on him, and dependence in him. And non-conviction is distrust in him, skepticism about him, doubt about him, and uncertainty who he is. It all comes down to him. That's where our confidence comes from. And knowing who we are in him. Um, Kelly put a a thing on our our chat too. It's awesome. I got to tell you, it's awesome to have a group of people reading through the Bible and people putting comments on it. I don't put enough comments on there, but I love reading yours. I put a few on here and there, but it's awesome to have that. And she'd put a thing on there. It was a thing that Bill Johnson did, a little thing, and he was talking about being bold and how when you step out boldly, God meets you there and things happen. Being bold builds confidence. Or being confident enough to step out boldly. But things happen when you do it. They come forward and they happen. Um, Confidence is different than faith. Faith is believing in things that are unseen. Confidence is usually built by evidence of something that you've seen happen, and then you're confident that it can either happen to you or to somebody else. So faith can build confidence in that you're faithful for something to happen. You see it happen, then you have confidence that it happens, so you can put it out. Now, it's built by testimony. If you don't think testimony isn't amazing, I don't know what is, because testimony builds confidence. And the testimony that you have builds my confidence. Because if he can do it for you, he can do it for me, and he can do it even better. Or something different. We were standing up here praying this morning. You know what? To be in a body like this is amazing. But I'm standing up here and they're praying for me and... Annalise says, you're like a miracle in this church because of the healing you've had. I've had two neck surgeries, and at the one point, I couldn't use my left arm. It was hurt so much to do it. And now I'm working construction all the time, and I never have any pain. I was completely healed from that. If that doesn't build your confidence, I don't know what does. Really? 
But still, there's times that I, I waver. But we're all going to waver. And that's where failure isn't fatal. We aren't going to always be right every time. I'm going to do some quick things through some, some people in the Bible. I'm not going to quote a lot of verses. I'm just going to go through and pick out some, some guys out of there. And you can agree with me or disagree with me, but I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Hopefully that's coming through me from God. That's the plan. You can look at many people in there that showed confidence. But what I'm trying to point out through all these people is confidence looks different in everybody. And it's going to be different from you than it is from me. Sometimes it's going to look like courage. Sometimes it's going to look like hope. Sometimes it's going to look like, like wearing silver shoes on pier. I dress the way God leads me to dress. As soon as, as soon as I left that office after talking to Chris and Micah goes, you know, we need to wear those outfits with the thing. And immediately popped in my head, I need some silver shoes to go with that. And she keeps telling me I have more clothes than her in the closet anyway. But anyway, we will. Uh, um, that's a whole nother story. So the first one that I want to bring up is Moses, who was a great leader. Look what he did. But at the beginning, what did he do? He went, God, why did you choose me? Who am I? What can I do? I can't even speak. How can I do this? How can I do, how can I do any of this? And how many times did God have to convince him? But once he did... Look at all that Moses did. He was in a place of confidence after that. It took a little coaxing and a few times for him to get it. But how many times did he, I mean, he sends him in front of, how many times did he go into Pharaoh before they left? Can you imagine going into the leader of a country and telling him those things? You had to have confidence that God was with you just to do that. Hey, you don't do this or this is going to happen or, you know. You need to let us go. You just need to let us go. <laughs> or this is going to, well, they'd come back in and they'd have whatever happens and then they'd come back in and it was, no, you really, you need to let us go. <laughs> but it all came from the times that he didn't. He kept doing it and he could see everything that God was doing. That builds your confidence. The next one is uh, Noah. <laughs> It says that Noah had more of a reverent fear of the Lord. But he was confident and he knew what the Lord could do. And if the Lord said he was going to reign until it covered the whole earth, Noah knew that could happen. So he built the ark. And there was probably a lot of people that thought he was nuts. But he built that ark because he was confident that God told him something was going to happen. And there was no, there's no thing any, anywhere in there where it shows Noah talking back. He just did it. Because he knew what could happen. I'd have been saying, you want me to build what? And you want me to do what? And fill it with what? And that my, my family that I'm taking in there is going to populate the earth once I'm out. You had to have confidence, and he had to have confidence in God 
to do any of that. The next one is uh, David. I, I, I encourage you that if any of these names that I throw out there hit you, go study it. Read about them. I'm not even hitting half or even a little bit about each one of them. I'm just picking out some points. Then David, and, and I truly believe David came out of the womb with confidence. He came out ready to fight. He came out ready to go. And that doesn't happen all the time. But, I mean, he, by the time he was going to get the giant, I mean, he'd already killed the lion, the bear, the, you know, the sink. And he had, he knew that he had the ability to take the giant down. But he did it for God. He didn't do it for himself. He had confidence in his ability, but he wasn't arrogant about his ability. He knew that he'd practiced enough with that sling that he could stick that stone wherever he wanted to. But he also carried four more in case he missed. He was ready. He was prepared when he went out there. And he was going out there because, God, because the Philistines were attacking the Israelites. And they were trying to get rid of them. And those were God's people. And he went out there to save them. That was his motive. And they, he didn't want anything bad to happen with God's people. Touch on that a little bit more at the end too. Joseph is the next one. And, and you can look at it as a, being a little bit arrogant when he was younger. Telling everybody the dreams, telling them what's going to happen, telling them who, you know, you're all going to, you know, like is that you're going, you're saying all of us are going to bow down to you? You're you're really saying that? And you're everything's going to happen because you had this dream. Well, we all know God gave him the dreams, and and at the end, we all know what the dreams were for. And maybe it wasn't even arrogance, other than maybe youth. When you're young, you're not afraid of anything. You don't know what fear is until somebody shuts you down or something happens. That's why we need to be more like childlike. That, that non-fear point where we're, we're, uh, we're able to do whatever God wants us to do without even thinking about it. I keep praying that that confidence comes even stronger for everybody. But Joseph got to the point where he trusted God in knowing that everything he was doing, God was making it happen. I mean, there have been times in that too where I'm saying, hey, uh, <laughs> every time I make it somewhere and make it to the top of the, the place, something happens and I'm at the bottom again, God. What's, what's going on here? How come I, you know, I go from being in the pit, get sold into slavery get into a place, I'm running the whole household, the wife accuses me of something, now I'm in prison. So I decipher these dreams, tell these guys to tell them what I did, and now I have to wait two or three more years before they remember that I did this for them. And I'd be saying, okay, God, what's, what's happening here? Where, what's, what's going on? And I'm not sure that maybe he didn't in some point. We don't know the complete story. Maybe he, there was times where he went, hey, you know, 
I'm sure he was praying all the time. You know, what, what, is, what, am I, what am I doing here? What have I, you know? But then he realized when it came to the point when all of a sudden his brother showed up, he's like, he had to have an aha moment going, oh, this is what this all meant. I can see it now. But then he was, he was confident enough in God and what had happened that he said, I'm not going to let this come between us. I'm going to accept my brothers and my father back and let them be family again. Because they didn't know what they were doing at the time. But God had it planned from the beginning. He knew exactly what was happening. And he knew that he would be, Joseph would move from the bottom to the top every way went because of the hand that God had on what he did. He was there with everything that he did. Always moving up. The next one is Job. Job's always been a tough book for me. I realized that God was had a reason for it and did it, but you know, losing all your possessions is one thing. But then to lose all your family. And then after that's over, they attack his health because he hasn't, he hasn't, he's still saying, you know, God, I'm believing you, I'm here, you know, whatever. That's just stuff. Then he attacks his health and takes him down. And then I tell you, if I ever get three friends like he has, shoot me. I want somebody speaking into my life, not telling me how terrible I am. This is all your fault. You did something. You did something. This is coming on you because you did something. Like, no. I want people building me up saying, hey, he's still there. He's still got you. He still loves you. We're with you. What can we do to help you? We're not going to condemn you. Even his wife. I mean, it's like, wow. And he did get down, and he did question God. But then once God spoke to him, he's like, oh yeah, I get it now. I didn't quite see it the way you were seeing it. That's when it comes back to being able to see with his eyes, not with our eyes. And I think lots of times he blinds us because he doesn't want us to see. And I've said it from up here before, I don't want to know everything because I couldn't handle everything. If you think about what God does, just put one, I mean, he knows what everybody's thinking all day long every day. I have a hard time thinking what I'm thinking every day. I don't need to know what everybody else is thinking every day. And it's better that way because I don't want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what he's thinking about me. I don't need to know what you're thinking about me. But there is another side to that. It's having people around you that are encouraging and speaking into your life is huge. And people that can stop you from doing something that you're not supposed to be doing is huge. So just so I'm not leaving the the women out of this, The next one is Esther. 
Now, Esther had to have confidence because the king didn't even know that she was Jewish. And she had no idea what would happen if she went to him to try and save the Jews. I mean, he could have just been done with her and killed her right there. But she had the confidence in God. She had a little encouragement from her uncle, but she had the confidence to go and say, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to wipe this whole race out. You need to save them. And she had the confidence to step up and do that. If you look at a lot of these things, there's life and death in a lot of the things that they did in their showing their confidence. And God rewards it. The next one is uh, Sarah and Abraham. Um, Sarah laughed when God said she was going to have a baby at that age. And I totally believe, and I read some stuff on it. Um, I don't think she actually became pregnant until she was confident in what God could do. She couldn't do it on her own. She wasn't going to have a baby unless it was God helping. He'd said these things, he'd put these things out, and it wasn't going to happen until she was confident in what he could do. So he had to show her. And then she became pregnant and had Isaac. One of the last ones, the women here is, I had to look up the pronunciation and play it on my phone so I could just, Zephara and Pew, who were the midwives in, uh, in Egypt, who saved all the male babies and didn't let them get, but they, she was, they were supposed to put them to death. And they didn't. And if Pharaoh actually knew that they did that, I mean, he went to him and said, you know, hey, why are you not killing them? Well, you know, the Hebrew women are so strong. They're having them before we even get there, and we don't have a chance to kill them. But if he knew exactly what they were doing, they'd have been put to death right away. But they had confidence in God to know that they needed to save that race. They needed to save the young men. So that the Hebrews went on. Now, Chris said, when you, when you preach this, you have to put your story in there too. And I said, I think I can try to do that. You know, it's hard when you step into stuff and then get shut down. Or people get jealous. About 20, probably been about 25 years ago now or more, I'd been married, I got a divorce, I ended up going to a prophetic church similar to this. And the pastor could see a calling on my life. He could see, actually, my youngest son at the time had made a Father's Day card for me. I still have it in my Bible. And it just had these things. And I'm looking at going, what is this? I mean, I knew what it meant that he loved me. and what, But the pictures that he made on it were very prophetic. And I took it to the pastor. What does this mean? I mean, one of the pictures was a, a guy standing or sitting at a desk and the world was in the background with an eagle flying around it. And, and the pastor said, well, he's, he's calling you into the prophetic. You have a prophetic calling on your life. I'm like, wow. <laughs> what does that mean? 
Um, and, and the whole card had these symbols on it. So anyway, I still have the card, but that was when, and, and he could see that. So he made, I mean, I'd only been going there for a very short time and asked me if I'd want to become an elder, asked me if I'd want to preach, put me in the front and said, okay, be prophetic. And I'm like, do what? <laughs> so I closed my eyes and he goes, you can't close your eyes. He goes, you got to see who you need to give words to. Keep your eyes open. Let it come. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Really? But then as I grew in that, and I started doing that, there was people that had been in the church for years that were totally against it. How can this guy who's never been here do this this fast, be this, do this? That's not, he hasn't been here long enough to do that. He isn't supposed to do that. So I was only there for about a year and then I left because it was, it was literally breaking up parts of the church. And I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be the, the person that does this. And it was hard. So I didn't go to church for a lot of years. I, I, I did the, the TV evangelism route for a while and get up and watch them at, you know, two or three in the morning, all the people that are asking you for all their money so their ministry can keep going. I'm not saying they don't have some stuff you can learn because I did glean some stuff from it, but I'm not sure it's the best way to do it. And I I learned that. Um, But I stayed in the Word, kept going. Um, one thing with, with confidence, too, is it's usually a growing process. I mean, ask the gym. When you're lifting weights, you don't go in and throw 300 pounds on it and bench press it. You work your way up. Same way with running. You don't just start running 26 miles. You start with a mile and just work your way up. So I went back and said, okay, I'll start. I'll just do whatever I need to do to try and get to where he wants me to get. I, I grew up, I was baptized Catholic and we were in the Catholic church for a little while, but I always knew I had a connection of some kind. I just never knew exactly what it was. And during high school and stuff, I, I went to the, you know, the youth groups once in a while, but not a lot. I still felt like there was something there. I went to, I was going out with a girl in high school. I thought we were going to get married. We didn't. So then I was done with women. I'm not going to do that anymore. It hurt too bad. That's enough of that. So I spent 10 years, you know, I've said in the past, I spent 10 years running. But I think I spent 10 years searching. I was trying to find what it was that I was supposed to do and who God was. What was this? What am I doing? Where am I supposed to go? And I spent, I mean, I, Chris and I's uh, testimonies are a lot similar, which is scary, but um, I did the drug thing. I did the alcohol thing. I did the, I went to Alaska. He went to Alaska. I mean, I went, I did, all, went down to Atlanta, Georgia for a while. I went, I have to admit, lots of times it was following girls that I probably shouldn't have. And you've ever heard, that's another song I need to play. Looking for love in all the wrong places. 
because I didn't know his love. I didn't know what love was. I was searching for something that I wasn't going to find where I was searching for it. In my first marriage, we, we did go to church once in a while to the Lutheran, the Lutheran church, which asked me is just another branch of the Catholic church, but I, you know, I'll let you decide that. But there's a lot of stand up, sit down, repeat. I mean, I never seemed like I got anything out of it. And uh, so I look at Joseph's life after that divorce. When I left that, I had, we had bought a health club that had like, I think it was about 4,000 square foot health club and uh, just a small rogues room, a couple of racquetball courts, real small weight room. And in 10 years, it was a 15,000 square foot facility with a lap pool, a huge free weight room, a huge weight room, an aerobics room, the two courts. But we put all of our time into that business. Not into each other, not into God. And I just finished. My dad and I built a house, brand new house. From, we did it all ourselves from the bottom to the top. And we got divorced. And we lost all of it. Everything went back to the bank. So when I left that place, I left with a 19, it was a 1991 Honda Civic and a queen-size mattress. And that was it. And a lot of debt. Because even though the bank took it back, the power bill, which was like $3,000 a month to run all that, had to be paid. So I owed Montana Power $10,000 when the divorce was over. So I know where Joseph's at, where everything gets taken away to where you have nothing. Or Job, either way. And actually, that's when I turned to God and said, hey, there's got to be something better than this. I can't do this. Literally, I had lost that and I'd went from a, I worked out all the time, did all the, did all the you know, played racquetball. Whoever wanted to come in didn't have a play. I mean, I played all the time. I taught six aerobics classes a week. I ran. I was in amazing shape. Best shape I'd ever been in. Probably weighed about, 185, 190 pounds. By the time this got done and that divorce was fine, it took a year to do the divorce and to sign the papers over and, and to be done with everything. And I was down to 145 pounds. Couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't. I'm saying, God, I need you. I need something. Show me something. So I read the New Testament. Someone had given me the New Testament. I mean, I, I don't think I had a Bible at that time. It had given me the New Testament. And I read the New Testament in, I don't know, the whole thing in about a month or less. I was just eating it. And I'd love to say that I went right from there and just turned right to God and everything was great. Not quite. But with the divorce, she moved away and I moved closer to where she was because we had four boys. And I, didn't, I, did, I wanted to be with them. They were my kids. They were my sons. I wasn't going to abandon them. That was about the time when everything started going you know, out and 
North Dakota and all the oil and everything. It's like, go out there and make some money. I'm like, money's not what I'm worried about. I want my kids. So in the process of having those kids, I did put some seeds in them. They went to church with me. They did stuff. But I also had to work three jobs to try and live. And I kept saying, God, what am I supposed to do? I knew he was there. And I knew it was something because I wouldn't have made it without him. I put everything into his trusting in him that even got me through to where I was. Literally, I tell this, I told Warren and I'm telling other people, I literally, Matthew 7, 7 was the verse I lived on. Ask, seek, knock. And I would literally read that every morning and I would ask him to help me. I would literally knock on my front door and open it and say, God, come in. I'm letting you in. They say, stand on the word. I would literally stand on my Bible every morning. <laughs> say, I'm standing on the word, God, your word. I want to be built with you, what you have. And then prophetic things started happening where I see things and I'm like, whoa. I, I saw somebody was, uh, I knew they were in trouble. It was my ex-wife and, and she uh, wasn't doing good and I knew she wasn't. And she tried to call and I'd missed the call. And I'm like, well, I'm not really want to deal with that anyway. And I had a vision literally standing I was getting some aspirin, dumped the aspirin in my hand, and I dropped the ball and it hit, and the pills went out. And as soon as the pills came out of there, I had a vision of her taking a bunch of pills and committing suicide. She did take a bunch of pills that night, but we were able to find her before she died. And she's still alive. But, I mean, there's just things like that start happening. I kept seeing these things going, God, I, I want to know how to do that. Do I understand that? No, I don't. So then I skip forward here a little bit when I, I just decided I had, I had one son left at home. The youngest one had moved over with his mom and they'd moved away. And I had, when I said, when he graduates, I had plans to just go down to a, a uh, rescue ranch for trafficking. If you can imagine that down in uh, Missouri. And I was just going to work there for him for a year and try and figure out what was next. And I decided to go online. And this lady I know went online. And that's how I met Micah. But the way we met was never should have happened because, yeah. She had all kinds of restrictions on who, who she would talk to and all this kind of everything. And I didn't fit any of them. <laughs> all of a sudden there was this little wave from her. And I'm thinking, who is this? She lives 300 miles away. A smile, that's what it was, a smile, not a wave. And I'm thinking, how can this be? Well, and she wasn't sure she even wanted an answer because I hadn't filled out a profile, I didn't have a good picture, I didn't have, I mean, there was all these things. But she did, and we started talking. And, and that's where I come to God leading things. She has the same dream that I did about doing the rescue ranch. And things started to come together. There's something to be said to have 
a woman that'll pray for you. That's there for you. That builds you up when you're down. And to have somebody to do the same back to is huge. And to pray together at night is big. That doesn't build your confidence. I don't know what does. And she could tell when things bother me. I can tell when things bother her. And it's, it's awesome to be able to have that. And then to move into this body. When I met Chris, it was like I knew I was supposed to be here. And I just decided when I did, we did get married. We had Chris and Mika married us, which was amazing. We had an amazing wedding out in Sagal. And I decided with here, I was just going to do whatever they needed. I just step in and do whatever needed to be done. I've done everything from the door to the communion to all of it. Because I just wanted to help in what they needed help. Well, Chris could see that. And he could see more in me than I've ever seen in me. And everybody I've been around does that same thing. You know, when Joseph worked from the bottom to the top in all those places, I've done that everywhere I've been. They could see that I could do it. So they put me in position to keep going and then we're in top position. And then I'd say, oh, must be time to leave. Time to go somewhere else. But Chris was, we could see that and he was, he almost from the day I walked in gave me free reign to the mic with whatever I, God was giving me. Which to me, is amazing. But I was reluctant because of what had happened before. Do I really want to step into this? Do I really want to do this? And he, for a while, he jokingly called me the reluctant prophet because I wouldn't say anything when he knew that I had a word. And there's still times I'll sit there and I'll go, okay, God, if you want me to give this word, Chris has got to give me a nod. It's usually not the nod, it's usually the side I go, why are you still sitting there? But... I get up and give it. I'm getting better. My confidence is growing. I believe I'm hearing from God. I believe you can look back from the first time I preached till now and there's a big difference. And I I do watch my sermons because I want to see if there's stuff I can improve on and how the delivery goes. But it's huge to have a great wife and it's huge to have a great family of believers that you're around. That encourage you, that build your confidence, that speak into your life. Don't ever hold that back from anybody. If you've got a word for somebody, give it to them. I don't care if it's one word or a sentence or whatever it is. If you've got something for somebody, give it to them. Let them know what you're seeing. I mean, I'm standing here this morning again when they're praying and they're praying all this stuff and I'm thinking, wow, I hope I can live up to what they're praying. But it's not me, it's God through me. God through me doing it. Okay. Just a couple things I want. I always like to bring this, you know, some rabbit trails and things there, but there's a few couple questions I want you to think about. One is, How confident are you in God to help you achieve your goals? Think about that. 
You don't have to answer it now. You know what I mean? I mean, just to put it out there, how confident are you in that happen? Doesn't it say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart? Yes. And do not, do not lean on your own understanding. Amen. Right? So think about how much you, and acknowledge him, and he makes your way straight, right? So think about if you're trusting him enough to do the dream that you're dreaming. Two, are you balancing your confidence in yourself and your confidence in God? If we go back to David, he was ready to slay the giant because he'd practiced to do it. We have to do our part. We can't just sit and go, well, God says I'm supposed to do this. When's he going to do it for me? When's he going to do it? <laughs> I keep getting these prophetic words that I'm going to do all this stuff, but I just keep waiting for them to happen and they're not happening. I keep seeing all these things and, and nothing happens. Because we, oh, we have to stand up and step into it. We have to play our part. We have to get ready. We have to prepare. I can honestly tell you when Chris gives me a, tells me when I'm going to speak, I, I always hope that he does it at least a month or two ahead because I start right then. What's God given me? What's he doing? What's he want me to speak on? What's he want me to share? I want to be prepared. And then he usually changes it before I get there anyway. About three in the morning before I preach, I wake up in the morning. I was up at four o'clock this morning typing this and adding more stuff to it and changing it. But you know, in the process, I've prepared myself for other things because of what I've read, what I've done, what I've been in, preparing for everything else. So think about that. Balance your trust in yourself and your, or your confidence in yourself and your confidence in God. Because you have to have confidence in yourself to do stuff. But you need his confidence to pull it off. Right? Okay. So the next thing is, those are the two questions. The next one is, take a look at your life and see what God has already done in your life. That should build your confidence right there. And if you don't think you have anything, look around and look at the testimonies of the people that are around you and show what he can do. I mean, how many testimonies are in here all the time of people he's healed, people he's delivered, people, I mean, all. Testimonies are huge. I'll use yours to build me up anytime. I mean, look at those things. There's so many people in here that have testimonies that are huge. Draw on them. If he can do that for them, he can do it for you. Maybe the situation is exactly the same, but he can still do it for you. In a different way, in a better way. And the last thing is, when I was talking about, this is the little teeny part that you got, the, the, the Alpha and Omega. I was going to, I have to admit, I usually like to get you something to, rem, to remind you of what things are happening. And I, I was going to order some little pins that actually has the Alpha and the Omega 
that are made into one symbol. And I may still get them and, and hand them out. But it says in, in Revelation that he is the Alpha and Omega. But you've got to remember, Alpha is the beginning, Omega is the end. He's not just there at the beginning and the end. He's there from before the beginning to after the end and all the way through. So if you need to draw your confidence, draw it from him. He's there all the way through. I mean, it's easy to be confident when you're on the mountain. But when you're in the valley, you still need to be confident because he's with you the whole time. Not just the beginning when you're born and the end when you're up in heaven. No, he's there the whole time. He was there before us. He'll be there after us. But he's working through us the whole time we're here. Right? Let's stand. God, I just want to thank you for this amazing group of people here. And I want you to just open their hearts, Father. What I want to do is I'm going to ask you here in a minute to think of something that he's done in your life. And grab hold of that. Something that he's delivered you from, something he's healed you from, something he's done something with. We're going to think about that for a minute. And then when we get to the end, after we've done that, you've got that. Or if you don't have one, think of what he's done in somebody else's life and grab onto it. But I literally want us to, after you take a minute here and, and think about it, we're going to reach up and we're going to grab confidence from him. So once we just take a minute here and think about something that he's done for you or something he's done in somebody else's life that gives you confidence and, and shows you, maybe it doesn't give you the confidence right now, but it shows you what he can do. Think about that for a minute here and see if you can come up with something. Okay, I hope everybody's got something. So what we're going to do is on the count of three, we're going to reach up and we're going to grab confidence and we're going to take it down and put it right in our heart. We ready? One, two, three. Grab it and bring it down into your heart. Father, we thank you for filling us with confidence, filling us with your word, and filling us with who you are. And we thank you that everybody here, that you will show them confidence, show them, bring something. If they didn't get something in their mind right now, you bring it to them and show them what you can do, who you are, and why they should have confidence in you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.